Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Listener Mail from Stuff to Blow Your Mind. This is Robert Lamb. And this is Joe McCormick, and it's Monday, the day of each week, that we read back some messages from the mailbag. If you are a listener to Stuff to Blow Your Mind and you've never gotten in touch with us before, why not write in? Uh, you can contact us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Uh, all kinds of messages are fair game. Of course, feedback on the episodes we've put out in the past. If you have uh, things to add, uh, corrections, uh, you know, just general appreciation, any of that is fine. Uh, but you can also just share anything you find interesting. Uh, let's see, Rob, do you mind if I kick things off today with this message from Michael about our series on horror vacui? Go for it. Okay, Horvakui was the uh, the idea of fear of the void. And Michael says, hey, Robin, Joe, I'm a bit behind. I think you've done a few listener mail episodes since uh, these were aired. But I did want to share a thought I had while listening to the Horvakui series. I think it was somewhere during episode one that you mentioned the, the difference between nothing and a vacuum uh, as something people have struggled to understand throughout history. It made me think of the nothing from The NeverEnding Story. The ultimate villain in that movie was purely the lack of existence and quite literally represents the fear of emptiness. I know it's a bit of a stretch from the discussions you had in the series, but I'm curious if this came to either of your minds while thinking about horror vacui. Uh, Rob, I would be shocked if it did not come to your mind, as I know you are a huge fan of The NeverEnding Story in, in its uh, multiple forms. Yeah, I, I think it did cross my mind, but I didn't um, ended up not incorporating it uh, into the notes of the discussion. But uh, but yeah, the ne never ending story, both the film and Michael Linda's original novel are both both very dear to me. Uh, so it's at some point I would like to to perhaps do the never ending story for Weird House. I think that there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about there. 
as a refresher, this is picking up on what we talked about in that series about like ancient philosophers, at least in some cases, not seeming to be able to grasp the concept of empty space, like that they couldn't envision such a thing as there being three dimensions of space and it being an existing space that had nothing in it. I think that for some of them, for example, like Aristotle, they just thought, well, if there's nothing in it, then it can't exist because there's got to be something somewhere for something to exist. Uh, of course, now we know that, you know, space is in a way not nothing because space has properties like there are characteristics of space. So uh, it, it's not the same thing as non-existence, though, then you start getting into questions about like, well, what would it mean for non-existence to exist? Could, could that, is that even a coherent concept? Um, but uh, yeah, so, so I don't know where the, the nothing from the never ending story falls in there. Is it, is it like a, is it like sort of a, a destructive force or just a negation force? Uh, how would you characterize it, Rob? Well, um, I'd need to revisit the, the novel to, to really get in, I mean, to really get in deep there because the novel definitely goes deeper on a lot of these concepts and, mm -hmm. and is, uh, is very contemplative on various paradoxes uh, be, because the, the, the first half of the novel is essentially the movie, but then there's an entire second half of the adventure that's kind of like, I would, I would compare it easily to Dune Messiah. You know, it's like the, the first one is the rise of, a, the, of Atreyu and the rise of Bastion. And, uh, and the second half of the novel is kind I wouldn't say it's necessarily about his fall, but it's about sort of what, what happens after one achieves uh, power or what happens after mm. one achieves their dreams, etc. There, there's a lot, of, a lot of fun, weird stuff that happens in the second part as well. Uh, some of which is reflected in uh, the never-ending story, too. The, the the movie but but not really that's that one's kind of a mess but it has some neat monsters in it but anyway the, the nothing um i guess the short version is that the nothing is um uh it's 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 a vacancy yeah it's this it's 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 a it, but it is erasure as well but it's also not a conscious entity it is um it's kind of a result and there are agents behind the nothing that are pushing it. And mm. uh, in, 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 in the book, they really, the, the, some of the characters really get into depth describing or sort of teasing what those powers beyond the nothing are. All right. Uh, there's a second half of Michael's message here. Michael goes on to say, for a different concept on the same topic, part of my job involves writing legal documents. And one of the things many people have probably seen but never really put much thought into is uh, when a page ends before the document ends. And instead of leaving a true blank space, you will see a box in the document that reads this space intentionally left blank. It's always something I have to stop to think about. Is this blank space too big and therefore needs filler? Or can I leave a few lines empty at the end of the page without upsetting the expectation of the document's fullness? Thanks for everything you do, Michael. Uh, I actually went to read about like uh, the the history of uh, you know these this page intentionally left blank markings and stuff to see if, the, if there was anything really interesting about it. Uh, not really. I mean, I, I think it's mostly just like to avoid the avoid confusion about whether you're looking at a printing error or something like it. You know, was this space uh, supposed to be here or did something get left out? That line just assures you nothing was left out. Um. I don't remember if this actually happened. I remember I had a, um, a creative writing teacher once who said that they knew an author who tried to get their publishers behind the idea of including uh, a large chunk of blank pages 
in the at the end of the the novel that uh, that he was having published mm-hmm. um, because he wanted the ending to feel more sudden mm-hmm. um, and more of a surprise. So you would be reading through it and you'd be like, "Oh, it's over now! Oh my goodness!" Uh, which uh, I don't think the publishers end up going for that, but you do. You still get that experience occasionally. I had that experience um, pretty recently with a book where I didn't realize, like reading on a, a Kindle, I didn't realize that there was a glossary and mm. uh, an ep- and some sort of extra bit on the end of the novel. And so when it ended, I was like, "Oh wow, we're we're already there." Um, and I was I was a little surprised. Uh, that's a great idea to to have surprise for the ending. But yeah, I feel like uh, you you couldn't do it with blank pages because you you just notice that too easily. I mean, even yeah. if you're not reading ahead, you just kind of notice that the end of the book doesn't have anything on it. I feel like you'd have to fill it up with lorem ipsum or something. Yeah, and I and I do think it's more gracefully achieved by having some sort of extra material at the end. Or sometimes if it's like a you know an author with other books, or sometimes not even uh, the same author, you'll sometimes have like a preview of another book at the end of a book, and uh, and that can kind of accomplish the same goal. Unless you're really checking your watch on a book, which I've certainly had that situation as well, where you're like, how how long does this go on? Yeah, maybe there's some sort of a glossary at the end. Oh crap, there's not. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, anyway, uh, let's see, Rob, do you want to do this next message from John? Yeah, this one is in, in response to the couple of episodes that Seth and I did on Hidden Tracks while you were out on uh, on paternity leave. John writes, hello, Rob, Joe, and Seth. Hiding a track either as a track after the last listed track or after a long silent break in that track is all too common, as you say. I remember learning of a different form of hidden track back in the early days of compact discs back in the mid-1980s, specifically the Hidden Zero track. It didn't always work. I suppose it varied by how the manufacturers programmed their players, but if you put a CD in, press play, and then rewound the track, track back, before the first song started, there was another song hidden there. I remember I had They Might Be Giants and REM discs with tracks like this, but I haven't heard them in years because I only have a computer CD DVD drive these days and it doesn't work with this zero track hack. This type of hidden track is popular enough that there is a Wikipedia page listing many of them, not nearly as many there as on the more standard version hidden track page. This link is the main uh, page linking to an alphabetical list of performers who have hidden tracks on their albums. Um, And and, uh, John includes a couple of links here. Thanks for another great episode, John. I was really combing through the list of albums containing hidden tracks to try to find one where it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this one. Um, I... I know I had an album with a hidden zero track, but I can't remember what it was. And all the ones I could find on here that I recall were like, yeah, ones where it, it just plays after the last track on the CD after a big gap. Like, uh, remember there's a, there's a Queens of the Stone Age album that had a track like that. Um, but, uh, but anyway, looking through this list, the funniest example I found was that there are allegedly two Jimmy Buffett albums with hidden tracks and <laughs> trying to imagine uh, Jimmy Buffett fans kind of mashing the buttons on their CD players was a, was a strongly amusing image. Um, one of the albums that has a hidden track is allegedly called Banana Wind. Hmm. hmm. Well, you know, don't, you know, the prophet can be very cryptic in his messages. Um, yeah, I'm looking at this uh, list as well, and uh, I think I'm I'm familiar with some of these albums. Like, there's an Autechre album on here. There's some uh, DJ Food and DK, but I think most of the 
artists on here that I'm into, I got into after I was done with CD players. So mm. I don't really have any experience with the track zero on their, their work. It is amusing that some of these artists did it more than once where they're like, that was great. Let's yeah. do that again. Oh, I monster is also in here. That's another uh, band. Uh, uh, that I really, I really liked this album from 2003, uh, Never Odd or Even. Mm. But again, I got that album um, digitally at some point, and, and I have no experience with the CD. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, this next message is in response to our series on tea. This is from Jake. Uh, let's see. And there, there are a couple of subtopics here. Uh, Jake begins by responding to our discussion on Bertrand Russell's teapot analogy. That was a tangent we did in one of our episodes. 
Uh, and Jake compares Russell's teapot to the now very well-known satirical deity called the Flying Spaghetti Monster, which is mm. an omnipotent wad of pasta containing several meatballs. Um, Jake writes, quote, uh, referring to the spaghetti monster, quote, this started as a similar type of thought experiment uh, to the teapot and Carl Sagan's Invisible Dragon, but more explicitly designed to look like Christianity. In the years since the original website went up, people have adopted the trappings of it as a religion, uh, entering it as their faith on census forms, winning court cases to be allowed to wear a colander on their heads for official ID, uh, as it is religious headgear, and and even churches with dedicated priests and regular services. And uh, yeah, Jake, this is interesting because we, we covered some aspects of this in an episode we did many years ago now. And uh, I haven't heard it in a long time, so I don't know how our discussion holds up. But <laughs> we were talking about a framework called uh, Hyper Real Religions, which uh, was basically a sociology of religion concept describing postmodern religions that are consciously based on explicitly fictional ideas, often from pop culture. So there, there were a bunch of examples, but one of them was Jediism, a religion based on the Jedi Order from the Star Wars universe. And the Flying Spaghetti Monster religion was another one, though it began as a parody. It sort of evolved to have more, I don't know, things kind of like a real religion would have. And I think what's interesting is that a lot of these religions by now seem to have at least some members who claim to practice them sincerely, not just as a joke or a parody or a way of making a point, though obviously a lot of them kind of started that way. And this phenomenon is interesting to me because it suggests a religion can arise without a starting point of literalist enchantment with the myths. Like, no one starts out by having a literal belief in the existence of Jedi Knights and the Force. Everybody understands Star Wars is fiction. But nevertheless, you can kind of work up to a feeling of sincere belief about a religion, I guess, through actions or, or contemplation, maybe through ritual repetition or just ongoing discourse, you know, repeatedly talking about the central ideas. And even if it starts just as a joke or something that you did just for fun, it can kind of become serious to you. And this, in turn, makes me wonder about the origins of traditional religions. Like, uh, I've said this on the show before, but uh, I, I mean this really, like, are we so sure that the authors of the book of Genesis meant for, say, the six-day creation story to be taken as a literal, factual account of where everything came from? Or is it possible they might have said, we don't know where everything came from, we don't know how it came to be, but here is an interesting story that we tell, and this story maybe has some things to say about our culture. Uh, and another thing this connects to is something I just believe is, is true about people. Uh, if we spend enough time being interested in something, even in a totally ironic way, over time, our interest will start to become more earnest. I think that's just a, a feature of human psychology. If you consistently spend your time thinking and talking about something as a joke, you will end up thinking and talking about it with a kind of with a more sincere appreciation, finding serious meaning in it. And you could chalk this up to a number of different things. You could say it's a kind of like sunk cost fallacy about your own time and efforts thinking and talking about that thing. Or you could say that it's just that, you know, the more you think about anything, the more it just, you know, you, you notice things about it that resonate in more profound ways. 
Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think that that raises a lot of interesting questions. Yeah, yeah. This was this was a fun topic. Yeah, when we approached it back in the day. Uh, again, I haven't uh, listened to this in, in forever, so I, I don't know how it holds up either. But um, yeah, there were other things like dudism. I think uh, was a big one, uh, based on uh, the dude from the Big Lebowski. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 interesting to think about. Um, you know, with, with Star Wars, for example, I would not say that I uh, believe in Jediism or, or anything, but if you have a story like like Star Wars and you like see, you grow up with it, uh, if you find yourself returning to it uh, in difficult times, if you uh, if, if you have like a child who gets into it, uh, you mm-hmm. know these have the last two have been my experience, or I guess all three have been my experience. Like you can find yourself. Um, more attached to the material than you were previously, uh, and, and you know, not to the point again where I think Jediism is is a thing or that the Force is real or anything like that. But it kind of gets to the point where, uh, like, where there was a time where I would, uh, you know, I would maybe make fun of uh, of uh, elements and say the prequels. But nowadays, it's like if there's a there's a joke that's maybe like a little too hard on uh, the fall of Anakin Skywalker, I'm kind of like, you shouldn't joke about that. That's a serious story. A lot of people take that very seriously. Um, <laughs> no. and, I don't know, and I don't know why exactly, you know? But I think part of it is just, yeah, sort of like clinging to it a little bit during, um, uh, you know, in, in recent years, uh, having a, a child grow up with it and see it mm. through through his eyes and his experiences, you know? Uh, it yeah. kind of changes the way you approach some of it. If I can psychoanalyze you a little bit, Rob, I... I it seems to me just based on things you've said to me that uh, a lot of this might be based in like showing the prequels to your son and appreciating them together. It's like when you see them again through the eyes of a child, that really makes you, it, 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 uh, you, you experience them in a whole new way. They come to mean something different to you. Yeah. Which film that we've covered for weird house should a religion be based upon though? If you had to, had to uh, push for your own hyper real religion. Well, you know, there are a couple of different ways to answer that question because there are some that naturally invite occult interpretations. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, you, get, you got your Dunwich Horror and you got your, uh, uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, the Devil Rides Out, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, it, Christopher Lee in that movie is almost asking to be your your, your priest and your shaman. Um, but on the other hand, I'd say, you know, Trancers 2, that, that, that's got some <laughs> real uh, mythological gusto. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty good pick. I, you know, and of course, some of the films we've talked about do have actual mythologies at the heart of them, or they have they're based on uh, fictional franchises that people have invested so much in that they they either achieve or are nearly uh, achieving hyper real status. Uh, for instance, The Keepers, which was the uh, the Russian <laughs> adaptation of the Fellowship of the Rings. Uh-huh. So I guess it'd be kind of like Russian Orthodox Tolkienism there. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh wait, I just thought Tobor the Great. I mean, Tobor the Great is a god. Oh, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Oh, but anyway, sorry, I got to return to Jake's message. So uh, concluding the section uh, about the the, the parody religion, uh, Jake says the, all this stuff may be an indication that the flying spaghetti monster uh, religion, quote, has transitioned from the realms of healing driftwood into the more mainstream territory of healing crystals. That's referring to another thing we said in the episode about how uh, ideas, even if there's no evidence for them, take on a feeling of plausibility just if they're more familiar than if if uh, unfamiliar. Okay, uh, second half of Jake's message. 
He says, in more directly tea-related talk, you ask for stories about listeners' tea habits. Growing up, my parents always left the tea bag in the mug when drinking tea, so when I started drinking it, naturally, this is what I did. I never really internalized that it was unusual until I was quite a lot older, uh, although I learned fairly quickly that when making tea for guests, I should check if they wanted their tea bags removed. I've grown out of the habit since moving out, mainly because I have a small dog who loves to grab tea bags <laughs> out of any mug left within his reach and cause a mess throwing them around. Wow. Uh, but I do still occasionally indulge. I like it because the tea gets progressively stronger as you drink, so no two mouthfuls taste the same. goes without saying that I uh, don't have a problem with oversteeped tea. Thanks again for the podcast. Keep up the great work. Regards, Jake. This is great. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it varies so, so much depending on what tea you're using, I guess. Like in my household, uh, we, we drink a lot of ginmacha tea. That's the one with the toasted rice in it. Uh, amazing tea. And one that I have found to be very forgiving of oversteeping, mm. especially on subsequent steeps. But even the first steep, you can kind of let it go a little bit and it doesn't get too sharp or too strong. Um, other teas I have, you have, it's like that first steep, you got to give it like 30 seconds. Otherwise you're mm. doomed. Um, mm. But uh, I sometimes I do the Jake approach if I'm drinking tea in the studio because sometimes I don't give myself enough time to steep it before I go in. So I got to bring it in here with the tea bag still in, but with a little um, like ramekin or something to put the tea bag in when it's time to take it out. Yeah. And that allows me to sort of like keep sipping and sort of fine tune it. Like, am I there yet? Is it time to take it out? Maybe I can push it a little further and then I'm like, okay, now's the time. I used to assume that the reason that, uh, teacups were served on a little saucer plate uh, was so that you could take the tea bag out and put it on the plate. But then I thought that, wait, that the saucer plates predate the use of tea bags for steeping, I'm sure. Like that goes back to a time when you just have the loose leaves in the in the pot and you pour it out of the spout. Right. I assume I've never really looked into that. I had an aunt who would reportedly I guess she was a great aunt um, who would reportedly with coffee or tea, I forget which, would pour the tea or coffee into the saucer. Hmm? So that it could cool, which I that's not the right way to use it, right? This has to no. be a, a novel that's, use of the <laughs> of, the, of the cup strange. and saucer. I get you know what I imagine? I bet it's to rest your teaspoon on. So if you're stirring hmm. like milk and or sugar into your tea, you got a little yeah. teaspoon that goes on the saucer. I bet that's why the saucer was invented. Yeah. Spillage, maybe as well. I don't mm. know. Yeah. See, we should we should do a whole invention on uh, <laughs> just spitballing here. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's see. Uh, oh, Rob, do you want to do this short one from Jeremy about Finn McCool? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've been re-airing the, the Finn McCool episodes from last year as we approach St. Paddy's Day again. Uh, Jeremy writes, hello, Robert and Joe. While listening to the recent Selects episode about Finn McCool, you had just reached the point of describing the Giants' causeway when I rode past a sculpture representing the same formation. So to, to be clear, Jeremy's not driving past the actual Giants Causeway, but just something that looks like it and seems to be intentionally crafted to look like it. And uh, they included a picture for us. Appears to be made out of um, concrete pieces. Yeah. How would you well, describe this? Con concrete uh, hexagons, little columns. Yeah. I guess it's to resemble the uh, columnar uh, basalt. But uh, I've never seen anything like this before and i tried to google it to figure out jeremy does not say where this is so i was googling giants causeway sculpture uh came up with zip so i, I don't know yeah you'd have to do like a deep 
uh, search based on the, there's some sort of a big house in the background, kind of a manor house. Uh, but I, you know, who knows what that is. Let's uh, get anyway, really Jeremy, creepy with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy continues, since it appears your podcasting powers have now reached the point of auto-generation, I was momentarily concerned that the giants would be next, but fortunately, neither of them appeared. Should I can be concerned about listening to future episodes? Winky face, best regards, Jeremy. Well, Jeremy, I uh, think uh, you you may soon be driving and find a gray whale encrusted with barnacles laying across the road. So be careful going around uh, (laughs) tight corners. But thanks for writing in. This is amusing. Uh, Got a kick out of this. And it does make me wonder about this has the there's an intentionality to this this work. This appears to be uh, an actual work of art here. This is not just, uh, we encounter a lot of stuff, uh, I guess you encounter this everywhere, but particularly in the American South, you find a lot of uh, sort of like junkyard art that is kind of, seems to be kind of, you know, there's an intentional outsider art approach to it, but there's Mm -hmm. also just sort of like the effect of stuff piling up. Mm -hmm. And I don't get that feel from what we're looking at here. Oh, no, no. This is a sculpture. Definitely. Yeah. You kind of want to climb on it. Like it looks, I'm surprised there are no children on it here. I always want to climb on everything. All right. I think we should call today's episode there. We got a few messages about Weird House, but we will uh, we'll save those for next week. All right. Uh, just a reminder to everybody that Lister Mail publishes here on Mondays in the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast feed. Um, yeah. If, if you want to keep up with what we're doing on the show, really subscribe to a feed somewhere. That's the best way to do it because uh, we don't really we don't really do much in the way of, of, of letting folks know on social when there's a new episode or any of that right now. So subscribing's the, the best way to do it and it helps out the show. Um, but let's see what else we got going on. We got oh, two seasons. Wait, Rob, can I add something though? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. As our bosses have told us many times, uh, at least some podcast platforms out there, I think, uh, Apple, Apple podcast has been singled out there. There may be some, uh, weirdness going on with people who are subscribed to our podcast, but the platform stops auto-downloading, even though you didn't tell it to do that. So if you're a fan of the show and you want to make sure you're always getting our new stuff, uh, go in, make sure that you are, uh, make sure that you're subscribed if you meant to be. Make sure that auto-downloads are turned on, even if you had them turned on before. Somehow they might have gotten turned off on their own. I don't know why they do that, but that's what we've heard happens. Uh, so, so just check on that. And we've also been told that on some platforms, again, specifically Apple Podcasts, it may stop downloading episodes even if you have it set to download episodes, if you haven't listened to the last uh, X number, maybe five episodes or something. Uh, so if you're one of those people out there who likes to let them, uh, let, you know, save them up and then binge them, I mean, you know, that, that that's your right. You do that if that's what you want. But uh, just be aware that may stop episodes from downloading. So if you want to make sure you're always getting new episodes downloaded and you want to help us out, a good idea might be to uh, just try to stay as current as you can or listen to a, at least one fresh episode per week, even if you are saving them up to binge them on the weekends or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That way they'll digitally manifest on your device so that they can physically manifest in the world as you drive around. <laughs> So again, yeah, it's the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast feed. Core episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Listener mail on Mondays. On Wednesdays, a short form artifact or monster fact. And then on Fridays, Weird House Cinema. That's our time to set aside most serious concerns and just talk about a strange film. Huge thanks to our audio producer, J.J. Posway. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff 
Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.